Welcome to the ASC podcast, Cytopath Pod. Join special guests to highlight ASC activities in cytopathology education, advocacy, and research. everyone, this is Gilis Barkan. Um, I'm one of the past presidents of the American Society of Cytopathology, and um, I'm also the section editor of the social media aspect of our Golden Green Journal, our uh, Journal of American Society of Cytopathology. Uh, today, we are hosting our very own editor-in-chief, Dr. Paul Vanderland. Uh, let me give you a brief introduction, and, um, and then we'll go from there. So Dr. Vanderland received his MD and his PhD from the University of Chicago. So he's originally from the Midwest and did his anatomic pathology residency training followed by cytopathology and thoracic pathology fellowship at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. He's currently the director of surgical pathology and the director of cytopathology and the director of thoracic uh, pathology at Beth Israel Dickinus Medical Center, and is an associate professor of pathology at Harvard Medical School. So as you see, he has a lot of hats that he's carrying. His clinical and research interests lie at the intersection of cytopathology and pulmonary pathology in the setting of both neoplastic and non-neoplastic lung disease, as well as thyroid fine needle aspiration reporting and leveraging quality improvement metrics in the cytology laboratory. He is our editor-in-chief of the Journal of the American Society of Cytopathology and the co-editor of the upcoming third edition of the Bethesda System for Reporting Thyroid Cytopathology. Now, he is very, very prolific, publishing over 150 original research papers, review articles, editorials, book chapters, and... Uh, he also, of course, enjoys teaching medical students, residents, fellows, uh, and this shows that he does a very, very good job of it, that he actually is a two-time recipient of the Resident Teaching Award uh, from his department, which is one of the highest awards and the most difficult awards to get. So welcome to our podcast, Dr. Randolan. Well, Galiz, thank you so much. Um, uh, it's, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to be here and to uh, to have a little bit of a, a fireside chat with the cytology community um, uh, on this podcast. And and thank you for that those those kind words and that kind introduction. Um, uh, I don't recognize the person you're describing, but it does sound like uh, maybe I might have been somewhat productive uh, in my professional career thus far. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll leave it up to the listeners of the pod to see if they still hold that true at the end. But uh, thank you. Great to be here. We're happy to have you. So um, so let our audience get to know you a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, get to know you as a person, and uh, tell us, you know, you are the current editor-in-chief. Uh, what made you say yes to the dress and become the editor-in-chief of the Journal of American Society of Cytopathology? Wow, wow. Um, how can I unpack who who is PVL in just a brief uh, little bit, but uh, yeah, sure. So start, starting first with with who I am, you know. So um, you know, academic pathologist, cytopathologist here in Boston. Um, 
again, Chicagoan born and raised. And so uh, uh, I every single day still listen to ESPN 1000 Chicago sports radio um, podcasts. And so uh, I'm, I'm very much in tune with uh, the, the, the Chicago sports teams, uh, even though I've been living out here in Boston for a while now, gee, since uh, 2008. But uh, yeah, so I did my MD PhD at the University of Chicago, uh, really the formative years of kind of my biomedical training. And then you know, came out to Brigham uh, for residency training and uh, fellowship training. And then, you know, the longer I've been out here in Boston, despite, you know, not picking up the Boston accent, you know, it kind of has gotten into my blood. And so, um, you know, I've been on staff here at BIDMC since uh, 2012. And it's been just, it's been a really fun ride. It's been a really fun ride to, you know, be involved in, you know, academic cytopathology, academic pathology, and, um, uh, publishing, uh, teaching, doing research, uh, all of those wonderful things. And, and, and of course, uh, you know, involvement in professional societies, uh, like so many of, of the listeners of this pod are, you know, the ASC has really, you know, been um, such a, a blessing and a boon, you know, for me, both personally and professionally, you know, meeting wonderful people and friends uh, like you, Galiz, and also just being able to, you know, participate in in different committees and uh, being involved in so many different aspects of our profession. So, so that's kind of me in a nutshell from a professional side, from a personal side, um, uh, just me, you know, uh, so no significant other, no children, no pets. And so uh, I, I joke that, you know, I have trouble taking care of myself. And so I have no idea how people who have to take care of little ones uh, deal with uh, <laughs> deal with that. But uh, yeah, you know, so when I'm not in the hospital, yeah, uh, I, I, I do love the outdoors. I love uh, hiking. I love spending a lot of time in, in you know, nature out here in the, the great Northeast. And and in, in kind of as a counterpoint to that, I also do like spending time behind the wheel of, of fast cars. And so, um, really, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, with my with my brothers, uh, always uh, going down to kind of the, you know, the, the, the track, uh, you know, Porsche, uh, BMW, um, a lot of uh, fun uh, track day things uh, to, to, to drive. So um, last time we were in Vegas uh, for, uh, I think, the last ASC meeting, uh, they have a wonderful track out there. So, you know, getting to spend some time driving supercars around the track uh, very fa very quickly is a nice counterpoint to the slow strolls through uh, the northeastern uh, forests uh, up here in, in, in New England. So, uh, How about that? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, so that's me, you know, um, uh, you know, I enjoy uh, uh, food, uh, wine, uh, spending time with friends, um, and, and just, just, uh, living the, the good life. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. And so then I think your next question was, uh, like, why, why editor in chief? Like, how did I, how did I get right. to yeah, yes, right yes, yeah. 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 I mean, I suppose other than being a glutton for punishment, um, uh, <laughs> it is know, a lot of responsibility. It, it is a lot of work, but it is, it is a labor of love. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of thinking about that. So, so really, why did, you know, what led me here and, and kind of three little vignettes I'd like to share, you know, with the audience. Mm -hmm. um, I think the first thing, um, if I rewind to the very beginning of uh, grad school um, and, uh, you know, all of all of kind of high school, undergrad and even early medical school, you know, all of the learning that so many of us do is, is very textbook based, you know, where where everything is wrapped up and, and kind of. Put together a nice package for for people to learn uh i don't i don't know if people still use textbooks um uh it it, it, it pains me to see that you know hey, robin's no, yeah everything's online now i, I know i know students and undergrads just have something <laughs> like a pdf of something or another and there's nothing that you can hold in your hand and smell the paper you know you know you know uh, you're, you're 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 preaching to the choir here i i love it um, <laughs> 
Yeah. And so, so really the, the first, uh, you know, uh, grad school, you know, class I took, you know, during my first year of med school, you know, as an MSTP, so cell bio, molecular bio, mechanisms of defense, it was a little bit of a, a shock to the system because it was completely journal article based. You know, there was no textbook. It was all, you know, each, each session, each class, you know, here are the three or four cell science nature papers that we're going to go through. So, you know, good luck, read, you know, uh, d you know, bring in that knowledge. And so that was really my first introduction to, to you know, what papers were, um, how you can extract knowledge from them, um, uh, how you can learn from the hard work of others, um, you know, and, and, you know, gleaning different information from the intro and the discussion. Um, if you have specific questions that you need answered, you know, looking at the methods, um, if you're just interested in you know, what, uh, what the authors found, you know, what the punchline is, you know, jumping forward to the results. And so, so that's really where I started to, to learn to love journal articles um, and, and, and understand their really central position in science and medicine and their utility. So that was kind of vignette number one. Um, second vignette I'd like to share is, you know, so then in, you know, in grad school, you, you start writing papers and, and you start to be introduced for the first time to the review process and um, getting those reviews back. And I remember my first, the, the, my first ever paper I wrote, um, yeah, I think it was submitted to the American Journal of Pathology. And I was so proud of it, worked, you know, worked for like years on this, this, this uh, data and, you know, get back the reviews. And it was just brutal, just, uh, just a brutally, you know, uh, tearing apart all of the experimental design and, and the, the problems and all that. And I, and I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I getting myself into? What, you know, who are these evil people, you know, behind reviewer one, reviewer two? Um, but then, you know, after being talked down by my PI, understanding that really it's the job of the reviewer to improve the paper, to, to point out where your blind spots may, might be and to make sure that, you know, this is a sound scientific prog uh, process. And so I found that very helpful. Again, it still stings a little bit when you get harsh reviews back, but understanding what the review process is in peer-reviewed journals is important. And so I was like, you know, that's, that's something that I wanted to be involved in. And so then as I, you know, got into late med school and residency, and obviously as an attending, I, I review papers all the time. And I always think about, so what is my role? What can I do uh, to help make each individual paper better? And I guess in the grand scheme of things, medicine and science, like how can we push it forward little by little? Um, and then the last vignette is, is, uh, is, is when I was brought in as an associate editor for JASC. And that was really you know, I had done a lot of uh, individual reviews uh, at that point in time. And so working with, uh, you know, the, the, the greats like, you know, Syed Ali and Dina Modi, the, the prior two um, uh, editor-in-chiefs of JASC, um, other associate editors like Viran Pantanowitz and Martha Pittman, it was just really great to work as part of a team to um, be involved in selecting reviewers for papers, um, to even have a little bit more of a, a responsibility for making sure that the papers that are published in JASC reflect well on the American Society of Societal Pathology, the, that reflect well on um, the journal um, and to make sure that we're publishing the best. And so that was really a great, you know, number of years being in, uh, involved in an associate editor uh, 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 function. And, and apparently I did it, the job somewhat decent because, uh, you know, I, I obviously, uh, you know, bamboozled all of the uh, executive board of the ASC to, to kind of uh, ask me to be the next editor in chief. And so, you know, really, it's, it's been a, a wonderful journey with JASC. It's been a short journey uh, in the grand scheme of things, but it's been a great journey and, and really looking forward to 
you know, where, what jazz can become and kind of continuing on the great success that we built to this point in time. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That is really, really neat. Now, um, not everybody listening to this podcast might know intimately the details of the publishing world and what does an editor in chief know. So maybe for everyone's benefit, could you tell us um, in general, in your situation, what does an editor in chief do? What do the associate editors do? What, what, what is everybody's role, including the production editors in this publishing world, especially in the case of Jask? Yeah, yeah, great, great question, and and hap- more than happy to pull back the curtain a little bit to to kind of show the the workings of uh, you know academic journals. Um, so uh, I'll start by first off by by giving a huge shout out to you know the person and the people that do almost all of the work. So, so uh, the managing editors. So our current uh, managing editor uh, Sandy Hitchens has been fantastic, and she um uh basically took over for fran burroughs who did this job for so long and so really they are the they are the engine that keeps the journal running um i i will be the first to say that and and so um really they're involved in a lot of the technical aspects if there's any problems with the publisher with um uh with the uh the production team uh at elsevier you know they're really the point persons and 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 so what Sandy does is 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 when an article first comes in, you know, she makes sure everything is set, and then it comes to me. And so what so that so to answer your question, so what does the editor in chief do? So one of the primary responsibilities is that every single paper that is submitted to JASC, you know, comes across my desk, and you know, I uh, read each paper and, and I take a look at it, and I see um, is it a quality paper? Um, is it a good fit for JASC? Um, are there fundamental problems? Is it ready to kind of go out for review and and there are you know probably about at least a quarter of papers that come in just are either not a good fit or they're terribly written or are just at such a low quality level that they really have no chance of being published you know to put it frankly and so you know what i will do there is do a, a flat rejection right then and there um, for the authors. And, and really it's for the benefit of the authors because I'm sure that so many of us in the audience know nothing's more frustrating than when you submit a paper and it's just in limbo for two months, three months, right? And so if there really is no chance that that paper will be published in JASC, I want to give it back to the authors as soon as possible so that they can either begin to, to, to fix it, recraft it, uh, or submit it to a more appropriate journal. So what I'm hearing is about 25% of your submissions are desk rejects. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it and it's 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 been creeping up a little bit uh, as we get more submissions, but yeah, but but I I don't want uh, the audience to think that all of the rejects are desk rejects, uh, but just the really, you know, qual- poor quality ones. Mm-hmm. Because we do want to give uh the everyone that does submit their paper a chance, right? And so then if it does cross, you know, a threshold the next step was then I will assign that paper to one of our associate editors. So uh, currently we have three associate editors at JASC, um, a fantastic, you know, minds in the cytopathology world. Um, Sarah Monaco, Michelle Reed, and Leron Pantanowitz um, are the three associate editors. And so once they're assigned that manuscript, they also take a look at it, they read it, and uh, they decide who the peer reviewers um, should potentially be for that paper. And so um, they will um, either 
because of their expertise in the field, um, knowing the topic of the paper and knows, knowing, you know, who would be a good reviewer, they will invite different individuals. Um, there are, uh, the authors can sometimes suggest um, uh, who reviewers might be appropriate. Um, and, and so we can take that into consideration as well. And then in the, uh, in the software, um, in the Elsevier uh, 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 editorial manager software, you can have suggestions based on what people have published on and what their what their keywords and areas of expertise are. And so the associate editors really are responsible then for selecting who the peer reviewers will be, um, not me as editor in chief. And so that's a, a, a basically a, a degree of separation or a little bit of you know separation of power or separation of church and state, so to speak, um, mm -hmm. to make sure that you know not all the power is concentrated in, in one individual for the decision of whether a paper will be accepted or rejected. Um, yeah, and so then the associate editors um, uh, will kind of Kind of go through this this linear process so then they send out the invitations to review and uh, usually saying please you know get the review back within uh, 14 days is what we'd like to have for jask and and um the reviewers can either accept or reject and if if they are reject because they're too busy or not uh comfortable with the subject matter then we'll just uh try to invite uh, more we want to have at least two reviewers uh, for every paper mm -hmm. sometimes if it's a split decision or if it's a controversial topic or um uh for other reasons we might have three uh reviewers in addition to the associated editor um to have a lot of eyes on that paper um and then um uh after the the the, the reviews are sent out their papers under review uh the reviews come back to the associate editor they read them and compile them. They will add their own um, uh, comments, suggestions to you know to the paper, package that all up and send it back to me uh, as editor in chief. And so then I have this this dossier. I have this packet of uh, what all of the reviewers said about the paper, both in confidential comments, just um, you know what they think of the paper, and then the you know the list of all the the comments to the to the to the authors of the paper. And so I compile all of that and take the recommendations of the reviewers and the associate editor to put it into uh, one of four categories, either accept, uh, minor revisions, major revisions, or reject. And um, then we send it back to the authors to um, address those concerns. And so, um, so that is it, it very briefly kind of the life cycle of uh, a manuscript submission that can go through you know two or three cycles you know depending on um, how much work a manuscript might ne might be needed but um, once once a manuscript is accepted um, then it's passed along to the publisher to create the the galley proofs and to make it into that beautiful format that we see in the the, the jask print journal and online pdfs mm -hmm. so. i see yeah so that so that's uh, so that's the main my main role is, is I, I lay eyes on and I make the final decisions for all of the papers that are submitted to JASC. But in addition, um, so what does the editor in chief do? Um, uh, so for the ASC meetings, I work closely with the scientific community, the uh, scientific program committee to decide if we have a special JASC um, session at the meeting, what the topic should be, what this, who the speaker should be, you know, how can we um, pair what we present in person at the meeting with what is published in print? Um, Obviously, I, uh, uh, another role of the editor-in-chief is to grow the journal, to, to grow uh, the recognition of JASC, to encourage more submissions, um, and ultimately to publish and to create a journal and to publish the most interesting, high-impact, quality cytopathology papers that we can. Um, 
And, and, and uh, that's, again, a really great part of the job to be able to build something and to continue to build on the success of what uh, Dina and Saya did um, in the years um, since uh, JASC's inception uh, back in 2014. So actually, that's a very good description. And that's a very good segue into give us a little bit about the history of JASC. And when was it conceived? When did it come into being? And when was it then we first held the uh, green and gold? Yeah, yeah, great. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, interesting. And, and some of it is is history that I've had to piece together because I was I was just a young pup uh, during the inception <laughs> phases. But yeah, so the first issue of, of JASC actually was uh, published in 2012. And that was the abstracts. Uh, so the abstracts for the 2012 November ASC meeting in Vegas. And so um, it, it, I'm sure if you find it on your bookshelves, you know, it had this really kind of funky, cool rainbow green and gold cover. Um, so the it's a, it's a collector's item because really the only one that looks that way um, was that abstract issue. And then the first um, the first actual print uh, collection of articles was January, February tw uh, 2014. Um, and so that uh, uh, was uh, basically the first time we had enough, uh, you know, submitted articles to, to actually put together uh, an in-print uh, journal. And, you know, building a journal from the ground up is hard, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, sometimes uh, journals don't make it, right? You, you, you create a new journal um, and uh, despite all best efforts, people just don't submit to it. Um, and so sometimes journals die off. Obviously, with the full you know, force and support of the American Society of Cytopathology, obviously JASC was going to be a success. Um, but early on, you know, early on when you create a brand new journal, um, it's not PubMed indexed. You know, there's no site score. There's no impact factor. There's no real recognition of that journal. And so early on in, in, the, in, the, life, in the kind of lifestyle, lifespan of JASC, it was difficult, I think, to get quality hot, you know, papers uh, because, you know, why risk submitting it to a brand new journal where nobody might be reading it or, you know, the paper, it might die out. In a won't get years. citations. That's right. Yeah, won't get citations if nobody can find it. And so they'll let's submit to the established, you know, journals. So, uh, you, you know, ACTA, DICI, Cancer Cyto, et cetera. Um, but over time, as, you know, JASC uh, matured, um, as it you know, a big step was when it finally got PubMed indexed, you know, and so if you can search PubMed and your articles come up in PubMed, you know, that was a huge step. And so that once that happened, you know, we saw a really uh, significant spike in the number and the quality of submissions to JASC. Um, and and again, if you put out a quality product, if you give a, a rapid, fair review process, if you give constructive criticism and are really partners in, in the publication process with the, with the authors, you, you know, people will want to submit to your journal. And so we've really worked hard and prided ourselves on, on quick turnaround time, you know, a rapid and fair review process. Um, and also, you know, getting, getting your articles once accepted, um, released online as quickly as possible and then in print as, as quickly as possible. Um, and mm -hmm. so all things that are really, um, you know, author friendly uh, from my perspective. Um, and, and since then, you know, it, you know, over the last uh, three, four years, th there's just been this, this really meteoric rise and this very steep slope of uh, a rise in site score, which is kind of a metric that, you know, assesses um, how often papers are cited in your, in your journal. Um, uh, the rejection rate has gone up, which is mm -hmm. a 
good thing in a sense, right? I mean, so if we were, you know, early on, we had a, an acceptance rate of maybe, you know, 70, 75% uh, because we were a little hungry for papers and, and you needed to fill the journals. But now, you know, our acceptance rate is right around 50%. Um, and so there are a lot of really good quality papers that unfortunately are rejected because, you know, we can only publish you know, the best of the best. And, and there have to be, you know, there are only so many papers we can publish. And so that's a good thing. But again, at, coming back to it, at its heart, you know, we on all of the, the banners and the emails that you get from the ASC, you know, JASC is our journal. And so it's a really, you know, it should be a home for, and, and hopefully a first line destination for any American Society of Cytopathology member to, to publish their work, um, to be seen by their peers, right? Because you know that if you publish in JASC, every single member of the ASC is going to see that paper, either in print or um, have access to it uh, online or digitally. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of uh, the, the broad, you know, kind of strokes mm -hmm. of where we got to today. And, you know, I'm just so excited um, with the momentum and, and where we're at and, you know, where the trajectory of where we're headed as a journal to be, you know, one of the top tier and premier destinations for publishing your cytopathology work. Absolutely. And a bit of a shout out to, first of all, Dr. Eva Wojcik, who was the original person who said, let's have our own journal, who was one of our past presidents and my mentor. And also shout out to Dr. Saeed Ali and Dr. Dina Modi, who were the first and second editors who kind of pushed it. So it's really, it takes a village to get something off the ground and in a successful way. And it continues to take a village for the continued sex success of the journal. Um, so this is great. So this is kind of where we came from, where we are today. And so what are your visions for the future? Um, what would you like to see happen uh, to JASC? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I guess first and foremost, you know, I've been handed the wheel of, of, of a ship. And so uh, just I'm gonna. I want to steer clear of the icebergs. I just want. I don't want to sh sink the ship because we've had so much success. Um, so I don't want to be the one to screw it up under my watch. Um, no, you won't. You but, won't. <laughs> but no, you know. So what is the vision? Like, what do we want to do to continue to grow? And 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 I think that um, really, uh, I want to broaden the audience of JASC. Um, I think that right now, if you if you look at some of the statistics and, and where most of the papers that are published in JASC come from, it comes from United States and Canada. And so I think that it would be great to have a greater international draw, you know, to publish in our journal, not only, you know, to, to, to provide the JASC readership a little bit more of a worldwide perspective on what's going on in the cytopathology community, but but also to to you know to also to help educate us you know in the states you know in Canada of uh, what are the other perspectives, what are the other ways of doing things, and so um, so that's number one. I really do want to continue to grow JASC from an American you know centric journal to more of an international journal, and mm -hmm. and and again, how do you do that? You do that by publishing the most high quality quality um, cytology papers that you can rapidly and, uh, you know, with a fair review process. And, and I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I really do see the role of the editorial staff, the reviewers, the whole JASC uh, village, you know, that you, you had said, Guiz, as partners in this publication process with the authors. You know, we want to help the authors, you know, create the best paper 
possible, right? Uh, the, the, to make it as, as readable and interesting and as impactful as possible um, uh, for uh, the, the JASC readership. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's another uh, thing. Um, uh, partnership with authors, more international papers. And, you know, lastly, I think that um, I recognize, I, I fully recognize the value and the need for social media, um, you know, Twitter, um, uh, Cytopath Pod, um, all of those wonderful avenues to amplify the message of traditional print media. Um, as many of uh, of the listeners in the audience know, um, I'm not on Twitter. I, I do not um, uh, participate in, in in those social. You media yourself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's uh, yeah, only so many hours in the day, and but but again, I, I, it's it's a very useful educational teaching tool. And so, how mm -hmm. can we? Again, you know, partner with you, Gulies, to 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 you know leverage the Cytopath Pod. How mm -hmm. can we use um, the ASC Twitter account, which you know is is really amazing. You know, looking at um, uh, you know the Twitter account. Uh, you know, we have just under ten thousand followers for the Cytopathology Twitter account. Um, the Cytopathology YouTube channel. We've had um, since its inception in June of twenty eleven. Uh, almost 135,000 views and 4,000 subscribers. You know, the Cytopath Pod, right? There's been four and a half thousand downloads, you know, to date, 33 episodes. And so, you know, what a great way to amplify what we print, what we publish uh, in the journal to, to, to partner and to leverage with these other um, media channels. Right. And sometimes you don't have time to maybe like read the whole article or the, or the whole uh, journal and if you have little snippets that people could sort of take little bites on their way driving to work or back or something like that and even if something sticks like a new innovative treatment method or a targeted therapy or an antibody that is you know up and coming then you know it helped it helped us but more importantly it helped our patients it helped us help our patients. So I think those are, you know, good ways. Ab absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, and that reminds me, uh, you know, a, a point I wanted to make. I think that, you know, there are a number of, of uh, you know, wonderful established cytopathology journals out there and, and same in, in surgical pathology as well. But each journal has a little bit of its own flavor, its, its own tenor, you know, mm -hmm. of, of what you get from that. And so, it's a, to, to kind of borrow from uh, the, the major surgical pathology journals, I think that, um, you know, what's published in Archives of Pathology and Lab Medicine versus um, uh, American Journal of Surgical Pathology versus Modern Pathology, very similar in many aspects, but, but you know, different, you, you have a different um, tenor to those articles. And, and um I think that the you know the very the basic science molecular on the one end versus the very practical and down to earth you know papers that can help you in your daily practice as a pathologist, you need you need the spectrum. Uh, but uh, for JASC, you know, we're trying to strike that balance as well, and to really produce a journal that is very readable, that's very practical, that's very usable for the cytopathology community, and not just publish very esoteric proof of principle things that might not ever make it to, you know, daily practice, you know, for a decade or so, while at the, at the same time, you know, having our eyes on what might be coming down the pipeline and, and, and sprinkling those in as well. But we really do try to strive to publish useful articles in JASC. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And Guiz, I don't, I don't know what uh, if, if you have any thoughts or, or what's your impression on the utility of the Cytopathology Journal? What should we be, you know, striving for? Like you said, I mean, you know, every different journal has its own flavor. The, the strength of this journal is that this is our journal, the American Society of Cytopathology. So this, you know, we are able to reach a wide audience, really our membership. If you are a full time, full member of this um, um, organization, then you actually get access to JASC and you get access to the electronic version of JASC. Of course, if you're in a you know educational university setting, you might get it from your own university too. But we're able to reach out to many individuals um, this way. Um, some of the other things that possibly could be like, you know, maybe we could have an international corner or we can have an education or a resident corner or even maybe a um, patient-oriented, patient-based uh, corner where there are different social aspects of the medicine. Um, it, you know, once you're in medical school and you're in the medical field, it's sometimes very easy to forget what's happening outside of it. Uh, so little bits and reminders of things of, you know, what's happening around and us to think about the patients as human beings as a reminder, I think are good things uh, for raising our future generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the ASC is very good at sending out surveys to the membership. Um, yes. uh, you know, so yep. uh, I, 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 I'm a little hesitant to say this, but yeah, you know, maybe, you know, we don't, we, we need to know what the ASC membership wants from the JASC journal, right? And so, yes. you know, if we don't know, um, we, we can't do that. And so, yeah, so maybe there might be a survey coming or, you know, at least- um, uh, That you know, would be very and, nice. Yeah, you this know, way, yeah, you could hear from everybody. Everybody could write something and you cast your net wide. Exactly, exactly. Because so, again, at the end of the day, JASC should, you know, serve and is there, you know, for the American Society of Cytopathology as our as the flagship journal and, and, and really, um, you know, the, the importance of publishing, you know, we, we've a little touched on it a little bit, but, you know, it's still the academic currency of, it's still the currency of academic medicine really and is. cytology, right? You need to publish in, you know, peer reviewed journals um, uh, for promotion, for advancement. And so there is this central and important role that it places not only in professional advancement and development for the individual, but obviously, uh, as you alluded to, the service of, of the patients that we serve. So how can we all become better cytopathologists? How can we all become better cytologists based on the work of our peers, you know, in, in published journals? Absolutely. So if you had a magic wand and you could do whatever you wanted to do, you're the king of the hell, you could do anything. What would you do? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, so, which with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, boy. Sure does. Um, yeah. Um, well, so so my first cheeky answer would be if I had a magic wand and unlimited funds, I would I would make sure that every single uh, uh, cytopathologist, cytologist, ASE member or not had a print copy of JASP in their hands because I love print journals. Um, but that that might be a losing battle. But um, but but what would I love to do? And you know, something that I'm passionate about um, is that uh, I want, I also want papers, certainly the ones that I write in my own, but everyone's that, that, that are published in JASC to be readable, to be very user-friendly, to be aesthetically pleasing, you know, to have 
really beautiful, simple, but, but clear figures and uh, ways to present data, um, again, in an aesthetically pleasing way that's easy to understand. You know, uh, as, as a little side note, you know, nothing is more soul crushing than when I have to read or review a paper and there's no figures and there's 12 tables, right? You know, so great. You know, it's a very data dense, you know, manuscript. There's a lot of information there and that might be, you know, in some circumstances, the best way to present it. But are there ways to better present that data, you know, using a combination of bar charts, pie charts, line graphs, radar plots, um, uh, you know, violin plots. Um, in tables, are there creative ways of shading tables using a heat map um, or using different shading to, again, draw attention to what's important? Um, uh, and, and, of course, you know, beautiful, you know, examples of cytopathology images and figures, you know, really are, are a central place in almost any cytology paper. So, to, to, to get back to your question, if I had a magic wand, I would love to have like a graphic design team or office like the huge journals uh, do, like at New England Journal of Medicine or Cell Science Nature that can produce these beautiful graphical abstracts that can produce these, you know, very uniform but beautiful tables and figures um, for publication in the journal because it's hard, right? And I think that you know, me personally, you know, I can do some things, but um, it's very hard for cytologists, cytopathologists, for trainees to to really go beyond some of the basics that Excel or other graphing, you know, or, or statistics software can provide. And so it would be great to have like a, a resource to to bring to fruition the vision that the authors or the editors have for papers to to really bring it up into the you know, the stratosphere of, you know, cell science, nature, New England Journal type um, images. Absolutely. Is there any uh, particular programs you like or suggest any? Uh... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, the, the, I mean, personally, the way that I piece things together is, is, is a combination of Excel, PowerPoint, um, um, and then Photoshop. Um, uh, and, and some things, you know, you can take the skeleton and in, in, in the basics from what Excel spits out, but then, you know, be creative with the shading and, and, um, and yeah, as, as like a little, you know, a, a PSA announcement, I suppose, you know, you can go beyond just the default color schemes that Excel gives you, you know, and, uh, or PowerPoint gives you for, you know, the, the two or three or four bar, you know, chart. you can go beyond the standard colors, um, but but anyways, it's it, you know uh, I've I've had the pleasure over time to collaborate with some you know really gifted individuals who are really good at that, and so so I can kind of describe the vision that I have, and and so like in in some of the JASC papers on the um, so the road survey um, parts one and two um, yeah. that were published a couple of years ago, um, uh, working with um, uh, Yigu who used to be here again could create these beautiful figures, and so I'm really proud of those figures because. I think that if you have a beautiful figure, not only will it get the message across, but if you're at a meeting or if you're if you know people will use those figures in their talks and again, kind of because it's aesthetically beautiful and useful, will amplify the impact of your work. And so um and it becomes yeah. more memorable. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I you know, so that's something I'm passionate about. And it would if I had a magic <laughs> wand, you know, to, would be love to be able to provide that service um, uh, to the JASC folks. So note to self, Paul likes uh, sexy graphs. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, and may I add to your dream? If we had a lot of uh, money and a magic wand, maybe have a statistician on board. 
as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's challenging because yep. um, a lot of the studies that do come through are descriptive in nature, you know, looking at a cohort of cases, but, you know, statistics are important, right? And you need to have some bare level of statistics and, you know, in medical school, in residency, right. very few of us spend a lot of time, um, you know, digging deep into stats and in right. understanding, you know, parametric, non-parametric, uh, you know, when a Fisher exact versus a uh, chi-squared, you know, when, exactly. do, when do we use those different uh, modalities? And so um, my best suggestion there is to find somebody with an MPH, uh, you know, a dual degree person in your department or program <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 a, and a beautiful collaborative relationship can, uh, can uh, blossom from that. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. I'm with you. Well, this was fabulous. Thank you so much for giving us insight to who you are as a person, as well as what does an editor-in-chief do, and about JASC also. Any final uh, parting thoughts and words of encouragement to those who are writing a manuscript or anybody else who's listening to this podcast? Yeah, well, well, um, uh, as they, you know, as they say on on YouTube videos, you know, thanks for listening to the end. Um, uh, link and subscribe, uh, you know, like and subscribe below. Um, <laughs> yes, is, do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, smash the like button. Um, really, thank you. You know, this it's it's a, it's been a wonderful uh, opportunity as always to chat with you, Galiz, and and hopefully, you know, the listeners of this pod have a little bit of a better appreciation for Jask and 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 you know, so what parting shots do I have? You know, again, I think that. Um, it, I just want to reemphasize that, you know, publishing is important. It's, it's hard. It's a long journey. It's a long road. It's a, it's a lot easier to just put together an abstract and present something at the meeting. But really, you have to see that through to completion uh, for papers, um, not only for your sake professionally, but also for the, the cytology community's sake. You want to get your work out there. And, and we at JASC really want to help you publish the best papers possible, publish, uh, get your work out there and promote it uh, via different social media channels. Um, and so, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to me, to reach out to any of the associate editors, to reach out to anybody on the editorial board. You know, if you have any questions or if there's, you know, uh, I have this in mind, you know, what, what would be the best, best way to kind of package that up? You know, we can work with you, you know, kind of throughout the whole process. So um, keep publishing, keep reading, and uh, think about jazz because I think it's a fantastic place for uh, submission of your cytology papers. <laughs> well, you guys, you've heard the man, Dr. Randerland, and so write your papers and submit it to desk. So there you have it. Paul, that was a fabulous talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us on CytopathPod. Absolutely. And, and, and thanks to you and, and, and wish everybody uh, a wonderful day. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to CytopathPod. You can reach ASC on Twitter at Cytopathology or via email at asc at cytopathology.org.